0: Today's episode is brought to you by Ouchie. Ouchie is a free app for iOS and Android that provides solutions for chronic pain management. Today's guest is someone who is an Urban Zen integrative therapist, which is an amazing program that I've been following for many years. I'm excited to have a conversation with Mena Alvera to discuss her experience and how she's been supporting those living with invisible illnesses for many years. Welcome, Mena Hi. So happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Lots of scheduling, but we made it work. Life is busy. Yes, it is. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do.
1: Well, I'm originally from California, so I was raised in a really small town near Fresno. I come from a Hispanic background. I have an uncle that's a shaman, so I've been exposed to alternative healing pretty much my whole life. Some of our family members were open to his practices, some not so much until they were sick and then they would call him. So the conversation of illness has kind of been around me my whole life. My mother was orphaned when she was 11, lost her mom to leukemia and her father in an accident. So the conversation of cancer has kind of always been in my family for whatever reason. And um, through that, it just kind of inspired me to – Want to be in the healing community. I'm going to age myself, but in the 90s, like I was really into the party scene. So to take time out to really become a yoga practitioner or walk that line, like for me, it meant really cleaning up your life to match it. And so it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I was like, okay, I'm ready to walk this path. And then I got introduced to Donna Karen and the Urban Zen Integrative Therapy Program in 2007 and just knew that that was part of my life path. And so I just worked really, really hard to be a part of that program and then studied with Colleen and Rodney Yee for many years, worked with their studios and they're just really amazing practitioners themselves. And um, that actually just inspired me even further. I just recently signed up for the Functional Medicine Health Coaching Program, studying with Roshi Joan Halifax in New Mexico with Compassionate Caregiving. So I, I'm just, you know, diving in deep, sitting with people who are dying, working with cancer patients, mentoring other usits. I think once you find your life path in the healing modalities, it just kind of flows like a river, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what were you doing in your 20s that when in your 30s, you had this aha of like, this is what I need to do with my life?
1: I was in my mid-20s living in LA, and um, I was at three of clubs. And I got really, really drunk. And I had a break. I kind of felt like Britney Spears when she shaved her head. I like punched my best friend in the face. And the next day, I was like, what did I do? Maybe I'm bipolar. Like, I just had this moment of like, who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing? What's the purpose of my life? It's got to be more than this. And then this woman named Kelly Bro stepped into my life and she's like, you're coming to my apartment tonight and we're doing a spiritual reading. And that just kind of turned it around for me. And she challenged me to rise up to the table of like, find your light. And I don't mean it in a way that's like agey, but what is your light? What are you sharing with people? And I found that because in my teens, I became a born again Christian and went through that path that I kind of was afraid of anything spiritual because I didn't know if it was going to be a cult or what. So she kind of opened the doorway for me to find my path into myself without all of these conditions, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. So she helped you for yourself, but how did you decide that you wanted to support other people?
1: I've always had it in me um, from the time that I was really young. I remember my sister had chicken pox and I like took care of her. She's eight, nine years older than me. And my mom saying, You should be a nurse. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then, you know, you get older and being a nurse for a teenager for me anyway, I was like, "Mm, not so much. But then you realize that caring for people and helping people, and when you know that you have some kind of healing touch, when you hear it over and over again, wow, you have a great touch, or wow, your hands really great, or wow, your energy is this or that. If you're aware, you take notice and you say to yourself, well, perhaps this is one of my skills I'm supposed to share with the world and stop hiding.
0: That's awesome. So what is the Urban Zen Integrative Therapy Program? It's something that I've been aware of for many years and have always been fascinated by. And I'm sure many of our listeners don't know what it is, so definitely want to educate them on it.
1: So the Urban Zen Integrative Therapy Program was the brainchild of Donna Karen, the fashion designer. And it all stemmed from the death of her husband, Stephen Weiss, who Head lung cancer. And when he was in the hospital at Sloan Kettering, she brought in all of her top, what he would dem her woo-woo people. But what now today we are like your Reiki master, your essential oil therapist, your yoga teacher, your contemplative care teacher, somebody talking with him about nutrition. And once he passed, he asked her to take care of the nurses. Because while he was in the hospital, he noticed that the nurses and the doctors get burnt out. So she held a forum in 2007. And from that forum, she brought in Eastern doctors, Western doctors, practitioners of all kinds to have a conversation about treating the patient and not just the disease. And so Urban Zen Integrative Therapy was created. And what we do is we address symptoms that most people feel when they're in a hospital, pain, anxiety, nausea, insomnia, constipation, exhaustion, sadness, and we use five modalities to do that. So mindful movements, restorative yoga postures, or just positions that help the body find rest. We layer in essential oils, hands-on or hands-off Reiki, mindful meditation. So instead of taking you out of your body to a beautiful beach, we bring you in your body so you can connect. And then we layer that with a breath awareness practice. And then we top it off with a contemplative care practice, which is more the meditation and mindfulness. Where we as the practitioner hold space for you, the client slash patient, to just be where you're at. As a stranger coming in to work with you, you don't owe me anything. And I don't want anything from you. I'm just here to support your journey, to support your family, and to help your body ultimately come back to a state of rest so that it can find its way back to healing, whatever that healing is. Again, I'm not a quote-unquote healer, but I am somebody that can assist you in finding your way back to healing on your own. And it might be that you have cancer and you're not gonna heal. And so I'm not gonna step in the room and tell you everything's gonna be okay because the truth is, is I do not know that. So with our training, we're taught to meet you where you're at, to not make false promises that we do not know about, but just to support you. And so, we're at UCLA Medical, we're piloting at Northwell Longshore in Long Island, we started at Beth Israel here in New York City. We are in Ohio at Ohio State. We're in different hospice cares and we're also with a partner by the name of CareRight and they are a rehabilitation center throughout the tri-state area and beyond. They have 23 locations, we're in 10 of them. And we have over 800, 900 users trained across the country.
0: Wow, that's incredible. So is the concept that these hospitals and the hospice care centers are basically offering this to their patients and their caregivers and family members? Are people being educated when they walk in the door? How does that work?
1: Depends on what the partnership looks like. So I'm going to use CareRight as an example. We are a partner with them to the point where, yes, we co-brand and co-market together. We work with their concierge service. Um, the patients sometimes, when admitted, a user will be asked to see them, depending on their anxiety levels. They, particular as a partner, use our services for patient care, family care, caregiver care, and staff care. They also offer our Urban Zen classes to their communities for free, so that anybody is welcome. And um, we definitely do by the bedside, which is, I think, the hardest part for our use When you lose a patient, and it happens often, the process of grieving is different because it's not like losing a family member where you have your family around you to support the loss. You're kind of on your own as a human being in the world and you lose somebody, and although your husband or your partner or your friends can have compassion for you for losing or empathy, you have to know how to grieve and self-care. And so that's really the foundation of our program is self-care.
0: It's interesting. It makes me think about a conversation I had with a friend of mine recently who's been a nurse for 10 plus years. And I forget how it came up, but we were talking about how she had this one patient years ago that died in her care. And it was the one person in all these years that just really destroyed her. And she didn't know how to cope with it because she didn't know this person that long. She didn't know the family that well. It was just sort of the stranger that she really had a connection with and how everyone was supportive of her and that they'd all been through it at some point or another. But it wasn't like, oh, my friend died. It's like this patient that I've known for a few days you know, is gone. And just that concept of having some level of connection, which I'm sure you do on a pretty regular basis. What about doing this specific program is interesting to you? Why did you choose this when you could be exploring so many other routes as it relates to healing and holistic remedies?
1: When I first heard about when Donna was first talking about it before it was actually created and manifested, I was at a Kabbalah meeting. And her passion about helping the caregivers was just so inspiring. And the second inspiring part was how she would take an idea and then manifest it pretty quickly with a supporting team. And then once I embodied and actually experienced it, I realized the depth of which our bodies need this kind of restoration. So if we go back to just talking about distress hormones in our bodies on a daily basis, we're constantly in this fight, flight, or freeze mechanism, right? Your body can't heal when it's in that state, but then how do you get out of that state, right? So one of my favorite teachers right now is Joe Dispenza, and he talks about how it's not just enough to know, now we have to know how. And so for me, use it gave me the how. And now I have that as a foundation I can begin to layer these new practices like functional medicine, coaching, and um, compassionate for caregiving. I'm even doing an online Yale course called the science of well-being as they start to do this research on what really makes the human being feel well. So there's so many things that you can layer in, but having just a foundation and practicing like my husband would come home and be like, "All you do is lie around the floor," and I'm like, "But that's what I'm getting paid to do." So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. So, are you spending most of your time in hospitals?
1: Not as much anymore. I do when a client is in a hospital. Um, my mom is also sick, so I found myself in the hospital a lot with her, and very grateful to have these techniques to support her. She's in California in Fresno area and. All the nurses would come into the room and be like, wow, it smells so good in here and the Reiki's flowing and everyone's chilled out and I'm just the lights are dimmed. And you know, you create what they call it the optimal healing environment that really touches the senses, right? The sight, the smell, the sense, the temperature. And when you're able to just tap into those simple things, you're like, oh, it could be really easy. It doesn't have to be complicated.
0: Yeah, it's so funny because I've known of this program for so many years and I knew the basic concept. And then for you to go through these different modalities, I'm like, these are pretty basic things. But when Donna came up with this concept, it was pretty new in this world and no one else was doing anything like this. And obviously, the wellness world has gotten really hot over the years that all these things are sort of normalized to a certain extent. But the fact that they're coming into these places is so huge. What about? Working with patients outside of hospitals. How does that work? Is that something that you do as well?
1: I do. Um, I actually just lost one of my clients and I worked with her for two years and her family and she went into the hospital. It's interesting. Some want you to come with them in the hospital and some don't. And so you have to remember that when you're stepping in the room, it's not about my needs and my wants. It's about their needs, their wants, and what they need to support them through the journey. And that's the selfless act. And so for me to be selfless, I have to be grounded and not in fight, flight, or freeze. I personally have to be in a state where the parasympathetic nervous system is calm so that I can support you. And that's why the self-care component is so important so that the practitioner can be present in order to observe and know what their client or patient needs in that moment. So it's really different. I mean, I get calls, even from Donna, can you go and see so and so at this hospital or send a use it? And I feel a lot more confident than I did in the past. I was out to dinner with a dear friend the other night and we were sitting outside at a cafe in the village. And, you know, I'm sitting there enjoying a glass of wine and a nice meal. And I turn to my left and all of a sudden I see this man like slump over. And his partner had fainted. And I didn't even think twice about getting up out of my chair, running over. What do you need? And he's like, Oh, she gets severe migraines. This happens all the time. What do you need? He's like, She'll be okay. She'll wake up. I'm like, Okay, do you need a glass of water? So we got them water while she was still passed out on the sidewalk. And then we got her a napkin to put under her head. So at least her head wasn't on the cement. And I said to him, I'm like, I'm not going to leave you because if I leave you, 10 more people are going to come up and start to bombard you. So I'm just going to create a safe space for you. And when she comes to, we'll take it from there. And it's true then, like all these people came running over. But instead of him repeating the story so he could focus on his wife, I repeated the story for him to everyone who came to help. So I think those little skills begin to step up when you're out in public, kind of like yoga showing up for you off your mat.
0: You mentioned self-care. What does that look like for you? And how do you prioritize it given what you do?
1: Yeah, I mean, self-care to me is having the ability to recognize when you're going to burn out, having the ability to recognize what part of your life needs self-care. Are you exercising? Are you going for your walks? Are you taking care of your body? Are you okay in your regular life? Are your bills paid? Do you have a good job? Are you in debt? You know, is there a roof over your head? Are you meditating? Are you a spiritual person? Are you taking time out to be contemplative, which could happen to anybody. It doesn't have to be prayer. It could just be sitting in silence and turning inward. Each of those elements, when in a deficit, you are on a path to burnout. And so it's being able to identify, oh, I haven't had enough water today. Oh, I drank three cups of coffee. Maybe I should have just had two and filled it in with water and some Young Living and peppermint oil. Or, you know, having a set of tools to recognize. And then once you recognize, what can you do in that moment, no matter where you are? So if I'm in a business meeting and I'm getting really, really amped up, excuse me, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to the bathroom, touching my feet, feeling my breath, grounding myself again, maybe pulling out an essential oil and putting my hands to Reiki myself for two minutes. And then I can return with a different state of consciousness. But those have become for me second reflexes, but because I practice a lot. So it's just like introducing anything new into your life. You have to find the tools that work for you and not all the tools work for everybody. So you have to customize like play with things. I'm like, well, that didn't work that time. So let me try something else, you know?
0: Yeah. But I think it's interesting when you do what you do, I think about and I've probably said this before on the show, my mom ran a holistic healthcare center when I was in high school on 23rd Street. And I put post-its all over her desk that said pee, eat, walk, yoga, breathe, because she was running this place, but she wasn't doing any of the things that they you know, were practicing and preaching there. So I wonder how you really prioritize those things and make sure that they're non-negotiables, that You do certain things in the morning or evening, you know, routines, where you get X number of hours of sleep, that in order for you to be the best use it out there, this is what you have to do for yourself.
1: You definitely need to have time cut out for it. You know, it was funny, I I don't remember, it was an article I was reading, or a podcast I was watching, but they were talking about time management, and how we all have the same amount of time. So how come some people get so much done and some people don't get anything done?
0: I've seen that many times about Oprah, that like you have the same number of hours in the day as Oprah and look at, you know, what she gets accomplished.
1: Right. It's like, how are you going to be efficient with what you have? And what means something to you? If it doesn't mean anything to you, it'll be great for today, but it's gone tomorrow. So for me in the morning, what I've recognized even this morning as I was writing in my journal and my husband and my son are in Connecticut. I was like, why is my practice great when they're gone? And what makes it hard when they're here? You know, sun gets up early. So it means I got to get up even earlier if I want to get my meditation and my practice in before. Or I send them off to their camp and I tell my husband, go for your run so I can have an hour to myself. But it's also communicating to those around you that having some kind of program to keep you sane is important to the family unit. Because when I'm out of balance, I get snappy and I snap at them and it's not their fault. And so it's recognizing, oh shit, I just chewed him out for something that's not really that big of a deal. But for me, it was a big deal because I'm getting burnt out. So that's where you start to recognize, oh, it's a burnout situation. I'm gonna go and sit in a chair for 15 minutes at the local nail salon and just get someone to rub my back. Or I'm gonna go out to the Hudson and sit on the grass for. 30 minutes. You're more productive.
0: I love that. And so you mentioned that you recently started going through this functional route. Tell us more about that.
1: It's just starting. I'm super excited. I um, learned about functional health coaching about three years ago. And Mark Hyman has always been a part of Urban Zen. Like He was always part of our conversation. He came and spoke during my training and was always just a big proponent of this lifestyle. And I was looking at the other coaching program was an integrative
0: Institute for Integrative Nutrition. That
1: one. And I was like, okay, well what's the difference? Like why functional instead of that? And what I love about the functional health coaching program is that you can get board certified so that you're working with doctors. And I'm starting the program in September. It's a year long. And I just think that it's going to teach me the tools I need to work one-on-one even better. So I feel like use it, set me up as a foundation. This is going to kind of round it out a little bit because what I found when I'm working with patients or clients, I get asked a lot of questions about nutrition. I get asked a lot of questions about living well. And I want to be able to curate programs that are customizable for them with 100% knowledge in my pocket and not just what I think might be great because it worked for me, because your body's different than mine. So to tell you not to eat bread is like you could get that off of, you know, Good Morning America. You want to go deeper. What's the cause? What's underneath it? Because I feel like if you can go underneath it, then you start to know where to make your change.
0: And so your intention is to integrate this into the Use It program that you're already doing, not to start some other business.
1: I mean, you know, the Urban Zen program is always going to be in my DNA, but I'm looking to make things a little bit easier for me to teach people, like I think about my cousins where I'm from near Fresno, and I think about the sandwich generation, which I am part of, taking care of my mom, taking care of my six-year-old, and my cousins are doing the same with their parents as are a lot of my friends. How do I help them? What do I offer them? What quick tips can I give them that are practical and able to apply in that moment? Not, okay, pay me $5,000 and come through this 12-week program and I'm gonna help you change. Like, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in being able to give people quick tip tools to care for themselves, look at how they can support somebody else and live the best that they can live. At the end of the day, like looking in the mirror, we're here for such a short period of time on this planet. So what do you want to do with it, right? Like, how do we move forward?
0: Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Ouchie. Ouchie is a free app for iOS and Android that provides solutions for chronic pain management. It was developed by people living with chronic pain and the people who care for them. Even though over 120 million Americans suffer from chronic pain, you would never know it. Like with invisible illnesses, people with chronic pain don't always talk about their experiences because they don't want to be defined by their condition. Ouchie is the place where you don't have to be invisible or hurt alone. The app uses evidence-backed tools like cognitive behavioral therapy, pain tracking, community support, access to resources, and integration with clinicians to help people feel better faster. If you have chronic pain, celebrate the accomplishments in the everyday with Ouchie. Check out ouchie.com and download the Ouchie app to see for yourself. And make sure you share with them that you found the app through Made Visible. And now back to the show. What are some of those quick tips that you like to share with people? One of them
1: first is like how to become aware of your breath and just to breathe normal. Like I watch my mom, she does reverse breathing. So her inhale draws the belly in, her exhale pushes the belly out, which is counterintuitive to what our real breath does, which is you breathe in, the balloon expands in the belly, you breathe out, it contracts and lengthens up. So first is learning your breath, getting intimate with it, and recognizing the patterns in it. What happens when you're stressed out to the breath? What's the first thing that happens? Becoming self-aware and knowing that it's not selfish to become aware of the self. What does that mean to you? And then getting some kind of movement in your body. A lot of people are like, I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible. Well, nobody's flexible when they first start yoga. I mean, it takes practice. And these people we see on Instagram with their foot behind their heads and these crazy poses, A, a lot of them were dancers or gymnasts. B, a lot of them have been practicing on dedicated yoga practitioners that are spending hours a day on their mat. So don't compare yourself to that. Just find a physical movement practice that works for you. And that's what I really love about the Urban Zen program is that it's mindful movements. It's, It's just getting the circulation going. Another tip I like to give is digitizing your fingers because you can do it even when you're talking with someone. It just starts the cognitive brain activation and you can just close your eyes and tap your fingers on each hand and you can slow it down. You can do it with your breath and it just brings you into the state of balance both on right side, left side brain.
0: Love those. And what about essential oils? Because you mentioned those earlier.
1: I love essential
0: oils. So do I.
1: What's your favorite oil?
0: Oh, God. I'm big on lavender. I put it in a diffuser most nights and have it running throughout the night, and I find it to be extremely relaxing. But then there's others like um, oregano oil, which I hate the smell of so much, but anytime I feel crappy, I put it on the bottom of my feet, and I know that it's doing something.
1: Yeah. Essential oils are really interesting. I didn't really gravitate towards them. A lot of people gravitate that in the Reiki when they first start um, using the Urban Zen model. Oils took me a while to really appreciate. um, And now they're, I call my medicine cabinet. Frankincense and peppermint are one of my favorite to blend together in the morning. It's grounding yet uplifting. Lemon oil is always in my water bottle, at least one to two drops in my water Lavender is good, but lavender was interesting for me because we used it a lot when I was doing my hours of use it in Haiti. So I had like this connection. So it took me a couple of years to bring lavender back into my practice, but it's great. And I use Tranquil a lot from Young Living at night when I can't sleep on the bottoms of my feet, behind my ears, um, smelling. Take a round cotton swab, put a little oil on it, put it in your pillowcase. So whenever you turn your head and you sleep in the middle of the night, you'll get a nice um, mm, I love that. A nice inhale. Yeah, the oils are plant medicine. And I think as long as you're mindful that it's not contraindicated with any medications that you're on, that you've done your study, that you've asked an essential oil practitioner questions, it could be a really added bonus to your practice at home.
0: Yeah, I agree. I will actually say I forgot my real favorite, which is Breathe by doTERRA, which anytime I have a cold or any sort of runny nose or cough coming on, I immediately put that into my hands, rub my hands and inhale it. And anytime I see someone like around me that's coughing, I'm like, do you know what Breathe is? Can I give you Breathe? And everyone swears by it once I introduce it to them. I've bought it for so many people. You know, I don't know that it works, but it feels like it works. Yeah.
1: And I think that the, um, it's another quick tip I should add. I have always some oil in my bag. I think right now I have Angelica, I have Frankincense, I have Dreamcatcher, and Hope. And sometimes I play that game that sometimes you play with books where you just like open the page. Okay, I was like, whatever, put your hand in the oil bag and whatever oil (laughs) you pull out is the one you're supposed to use in that moment. But the oils are a really great way also to bring yourself back to a state of awareness and using the oil to address what you're feeling. So if you know that like mid-afternoon is your crash and burn, I will like have some peppermint oil and just re-breathe it in to energize at night. Like I said before, Valor, Lavender, Tranquil, Stress Away these oils that are more grounding to help you sleep to calm the mind. Or if you're in a meeting, like, what do you do, right? What are you going to use? Valor has been my friend through meetings where I have tons of fear wrapped around it, and I know that I just need to be confident. So I think it just depends on a lot of playfulness with the oils. Yeah, I agree with that. The other thing I think is really important is to give this kind of practice to your children. I My son is six and since he was really little, I used to come home at night from teaching and I was exhausted, but he wanted me to put him to bed. And I would just put my legs up the wall or up his dresser and then he started joining me and then I started adding the essential oils and then we started talking about the breath. And now that he's six years old, he'll on his own, if he can't fall asleep at night, he'll put his legs up for a little bit. Sometimes he'll ask me for an oil, sometimes he'll tell me he doesn't want it. Or if he knows now if I say put your hands on your belly and just feel it rise and fall and count your breath, he can do that and learn how to calm himself to self-regulate. And he know that there's a lot of use it's out there, especially in the Ohio area, that are really moving forward with education and using the use it model with children. And they're seeing really great results. And I know Rodney's sister, um, Valerie in San Francisco used it with children with autism and found really great results with just bringing children back to a state of grace, you know, and ease because they're stressed out and we can't be raising a generation of stressed out children. It's just going to create more chaos in our world. So I'm really grateful that using the oils and using the breathwork and finding those restorative positions translate across the board. It's not just for adults.
0: I'm so glad you said that. There's an amazing organization that I've worked with over the years, Bent on Learning, that's based here in New York that brings yoga into New York City public schools. And the founders are amazing and their team is amazing. And it's just such a valuable tool to bring into kids' lives so early so that they know the importance of it as is the David Lynch Foundation teaching meditation, transcendental meditation in public schools as well, and having children get these tools early on so that they know that it's part of regular life.
1: Yeah, I did the TM program also. It's really quite Profound. Agreed. And I know that I've read some articles where there are schools that are replacing detention with mindfulness practices, which is amazing because now you're giving them tools that are going to last them for a lifetime instead of resentment towards you for putting them in a room for an hour.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm so appreciative of the work that you do and have been so passionate about the Urban Zen integrative therapy program for years. So I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. How can people learn more about you and the work that you do?
1: You can go to my website at menolivera.com. You can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. I teach uh, regular yoga at Chelsea Piers. And I'm going to be doing some workshops coming up in 2020, facing up some of my fears.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll be sure to include those links so people can check it out and hopefully come join you for those things.
1: Yeah. And you know, again, it's just about really understanding yourself the end of the day, if you're good with yourself, you can be good with others. And I think that's really what my personal message is to people is just care for yourself so you can be there for others and be kind. Kind to yourself will be kind to others. And in return, people are kind back. Thanks for saying that. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Made Visible. We hope you learned about something new today. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. We can't do any of this without your support. Visit madevisiblepodcast.com, follow Made Visible Podcast on Instagram, and join our new online community, facebook.com slash Community. Special thanks to the team who made this possible. Elise Bonebright, the audio editor, Gemma Leghorn, the assistant producer, Dylan Chenfeld for the intro music, and Amanda Gracio for the design.